Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing home and assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Steve Heisler is the creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center and has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 20 years. You have questions, and Steve Heisler has answers. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Hello, Injured Senior community, and welcome to the Injured Senior Podcast. I am attorney Stephen H. Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and I am coming to you from beautiful Baltimore, Maryland, and excited to be here today. Now, you are listening to the Injured Senior Podcast, where we educate and discuss issues of importance to the injured senior and elderly population, as well as to the children and loved ones of the injured senior and elderly population. We also educate the aging population on how not to become an injured senior or elderly individual. And we will be talking to someone today who will be able to talk to you about how not to become a victim of sepsis. And we'll talk about that in a moment. I am your humble host, and I am so honored to be with you today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, and welcome home. A program note, as I discussed in our our last show, we have some exciting guests who are going to be appearing on this podcast in the next couple weeks. Dr. Sam Sugar has recently written a very compelling book, Guardianships and the Elderly, the Perfect Crime. Dr. Sugar is the president of the AAAPG, which is the Americans Against Abusive Probate Guardianships, and has a chilling story to tell about how innocent elderly individuals are being stripped of their rights, their constitutional due process rights, and forced into guardianship, and there's really nothing else they can do about it. And this is happening right here in the good old United States, my friends. So injured senior community, you need to listen to this podcast when we have Dr. Sugar on because this is happening, like I said, in the U.S. It's happening in Florida. It's happening in California. It's happening in Nevada. And it is most likely happening in your own community, in your own city, in your own state. So you definitely want to listen to this upcoming episode. We will also be interviewing Father Thomas Doyle for an upcoming episode about the crisis involving clergy sex abuse. He was warning the Catholic Church that there was a major problem with their clergy abusing mostly boys and teenagers, teenage boys. And uh, he paid dearly for it. He was definitely not given a warm reception when he started talking to the church and to the public about this. So he's going to be here to talk about that whole epidemic 
and what he's doing today. So if you listen to episode eight of this podcast, we had infectious disease physician, Dr. John Cascone, on to educate us about sepsis and how it can cause massive destruction to the body and a lot of times causes death. So approximately 1.7 million adults contract sepsis a year in the United States and about 270,000 U.S. adults die a year as a result of sepsis. Folks, here is a sobering statistic. Sepsis is the leading cause of death in U.S. hospitals, and yet very few people even know what sepsis is. To make it worse for our listeners, our injured senior community, older adults are especially vulnerable to sepsis. Now, Dr. Cascone also told us that if you have sepsis and it's not treated immediately, for every hour that you delay getting treatment, your mortality rate goes up by 8%. He commented in episode eight that if you had a terrible chest pain, that you wouldn't think twice about rushing to the hospital. So he's saying that this is equivalent to having really bad chest pain. If you've got the symptoms of sepsis, then you need to get to a hospital really quick. So sepsis, it's very common and it's deadly. So fortunately, not everyone who contracts sepsis dies. There are inspirational stories of individuals who have contracted sepsis and have beaten it. So we have with us today, Laura Williams, all the way from the great country of England, from the United Kingdom. She is the host of the podcast, Sepsis Survivor Stories. Now, she is herself a sepsis survivor, and as she says on her social media, she was just minutes away from death. So on her podcast, she interviews other sepsis survivors. So it is a gripping podcast, and I recommend that everybody subscribe and listen to it. Now, Laura is an experienced podiatrist. She's a graduate of the University of Brighton and educates health professionals on sepsis. Hello, Laura. How are you today? Do you know what? I'm doing really well. A little bit tired, but it's what you call being like 10 o'clock at night here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're located in England and there's a six hour or five or six hour difference. Five, five hours now. Five hours. Yeah. I've been to Paris or France. I think that was six hours. Yeah. They're but, an um, hour ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So look, have you loaded up on the coffee or, or uh, maybe some soda or something like that? Some- I've got my water basically. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't want to later on be like wired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, and I, I, I don't want to be in any way complicit in your sleep deprivation. So <laughs> we're going to try to, you know, keep it as short as we can because we know that we want you to get some quality sleep time tonight. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with your own sepsis experience. 
Can you tell our injured senior community about your very close call with death with sepsis? Can you, can you, can you tell them about it? Okay. So for me, my story actually starts the 3rd of February, 2019, because I'm a podiatrist by trade. And so I went to a nursing home and I was treating the feet, as you do. And I saw one of my patients who, when I was walking past her room, she shouted, was like, Laura, Laura, oh my goodness, it's so lovely to see you. Can I have a hug? And what kind of human being would you be, especially if you're working in healthcare, if you didn't hug someone? And it always makes you feel good, right? Yep, sure. I love getting hugs. Yeah. And giving them. I'm guessing them, yeah. Um, so for me, that's actually where my story starts. Because later on that day when I was writing my notes, which is really important in healthcare and everything, it because if you don't write it down, it didn't happen. I saw her being wheeled away in an ambulance. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on with Joan? Not her name because of patient confidentiality, but always makes it a little bit nicer. And they're like, oh, she's got uncontrollable sickness and diarrhea. And my response was, crap, I gave her a hug earlier. Yeah. So, and then I thought nothing of it, as you would. But then two days later, I woke up with sickness and diarrhea and toothache in my right side. So I just thought, great, I've got a toothache and I caught the bug off my patient, which is what you would usually think, right? Of course. (laughs) Well, little did I know that was the beginning of my story. When it came to sickness and diarrhea, just think exorcist, head spinning round, not a good sight. Um, But I was in bed for on the Tuesday and then the Wednesday. And then on the Thursday morning, I woke up at 6.30 in the morning. And basically, I had no neck. My throat was so swollen. Now, was that from from an infection? Yeah, this is because I was having the beginning signs of sepsis. And it was basically because I had an abscess below my jaw. And so this is why it felt like toothache, because it was affecting that nerve on the right side. But I always have low blood pressure anyway, and that's one of the signs of sepsis. So my doctor knew that I always have low low blood pressure. So it was was like, right, okay, you've got low blood pressure, my O2 sats, so my oxygen levels weren't really down at that point. However, my throat was so swollen that I was having difficulty breathing. Now, did you, how quickly did you get to a hospital? Right. Okay. Me being a medical professional, I was the whole, I don't want to put any pressure on the A&E department or the ER. So right. I'm going to go to the doctors. And what did your doctor say? 
he actually was like bearing in mind I could hardly talk right but he was saying right okay something isn't right however I'm not a mouth specialist you need to go for an emergency appointment with the dentist was that that day that you went yeah 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 I went within an hour okay (laughs) um but it was the fact that uh, he was like, something isn't right, but here's some amoxicillin. So here's some antibiotics. And I think he did the right thing because he, he didn't know what it was. And so I got an appointment with the doctor, no, within, with the dentist within an hour. I sat on her chair and within two minutes, she said, I don't want to scare you, but you need IV antibiotics right now and just uh for our listeners who aren't familiar with the treatment protocol for sepsis the number one thing is is broad spectrum antibiotics correct yeah through the vein okay so did you did they send you immediately right to the uh to the hospital well this is this is the big thing they actually it was going to be quicker for us to get there us to drive instead of actually getting an ambulance. You didn't drive yourself. No, 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 no. My mom, my mom. Okay. (laughs) Um, Thank God for mom. All right. (laughs) Well, actually my mom phoned my dad and then my dad took us is basically because there was a really annoying thing that happened with our hospital because they're rebuilding our hospital on the same site. So it had no parking. (laughs) <laughs> did he just drop you off in, in front of the emergency room? And, yeah. Yeah. Literally, okay. see ya. <laughs> yeah. But we, we think that the dentist phoned through because the MaxFax team were basically in A&E. Okay. A&E meaning the emergency room. Yeah, accident and emergency. Okay. Instead of <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's a British thing. All right. It is. Uh, sorry. Right, right. <laughs> So apparently your story, I mean, you get there in a reasonable period of time, yeah. but your story gets worse. Oh, this is where the story begins. Okay. And we're going to condense it because we've, well, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah. We, yeah so, very much so. Yeah. So, you know, and you get into the A&E and what happens from there? Right. So there were 44 people in A&E and we went in first. Within two minutes of being in with triage, the maxillofacial unit were in with triage. Five minutes later, I'd had an x-ray. Five minutes later, I was back in minors with an IV drip and they'd taken my bloods already. They then went to order a CT scan, but I can't have a CT scan because I have an implant in the side of my head because I've got a hearing aid. Okay, so when did they tell you you had sepsis? It was a week later. All right, and in that week, was it a life-threatening uh, situation that evolved? Or? Um, it was the day of being in hospital, that's when it was life-threatening. Because okay. the particular type of sepsis that I had was something called Ludwig's angina, which is one of the rarest forms of sepsis which actually makes your throat swell. So it means that your windpipe is closed off. 
So not only do you have trouble breathing when it comes to sepsis, because when it comes to sepsis, you're getting too much carbon dioxide in the blood. And so with that and your windpipe being restricted, it means that my O2 sats, uh, which is oxygen levels, that should normally be 99 100 went down to 89 yeah that's yeah that's that that's that's dangerous yeah yeah my pulse before i went down to surgery was 169 per minute all right that definitely yeah that's that's a big big red flag of uh of sepsis is uh yeah, yeah having a respiratory rate which is like off the charts <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it was like I was having a full-on cardio session, but after lying down. Right. So, how long were you in the hospital? Right. The big thing with me is I am asymptomatic, so all of my bloods usually come back negative. Right. And so I was actually only in hospital for four days. Really. Yeah. Okay. It's basically because I wasn't actually on a ventilator. Luckily but they'd caught it just in time. Well, you say in, on your podcast that you were minutes away from death. At yeah. what point did that happen? At what point was that going on? Um, it was more or less about the point where this is what I was told when I came back in for the checkup with the Max Facts, but it was actually when I got to the hospital because my throat was closing up so much. And when I had to have my surgery, which was life-saving, because uh, I had to have drains in my neck and they had to take three teeth out as well to actually get to the infection there, they had to actually do that while I was still awake. They had to intubate me while I was still awake and it wasn't able to go down my throat because my throat was already too swollen. It was so they blocked. had to dip down my nose. Oh my God. While I was awake. Okay. But miraculously, you were out of there in four days after being intubated and being so close to, you know, yeah. being fatal. I was on like major antibiotics for the next three months. Okay. While at home. But. I was home. Okay. Now, you, you know, obviously had a very harrowing experience, um, one that I'm sure that sticks with you. What was it that motivated you to start the uh, Surviving Sepsis Stories podcast? Um, Sepsis Survivor Stories actually came about because I just wanted to make a difference. I been on a number of the Facebook groups and I connected with a few people and a number of people said that they felt really alone afterwards. And it was a very isolating experience because I felt that I got home and there was no help. And this is a very common occurrence. So you talk about that we come home and then all of a sudden you feel alone and, and I guess depression or post-traumatic stress disorder comes in. You, did you experience that? Very much so. And at the moment, I'm actually dealing okay. with a lot of that at the moment because of wearing face masks. 
because it's having the same effect as wearing an oxygen mask because oxygen is really important when it comes to sepsis. But was was the post-sepsis syndrome issue, was that the reason why you started the podcast or just because you just wanted uh, there to be sepsis awareness? A bit of both. I've always been an education kind of person. Like a few years ago, I, I published a book on diabetes. And at that point, I was really into my diabetes education. When I was in university, my dissertation was on health education and it's always been a massive passion of mine and the funny thing was the Christmas before the sepsis I was like I want to write a blog on sepsis but I don't know how to start I started it while I was in hospital wow wow (laughs) you started a blog on the sepsis when you were in the hospital yeah the day after having life-saving surgery, I was like, I need a pen and paper. I need to write down everything that happened. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so sepsis survivor stories. There's an episode uh, with Diane Burnett, who is an American retired school teacher who developed sepsis from a UTI, a urinary tract infection. Yeah. So you spoke to her, and actually I think it's, uh, it's an exceptional interview. So tell us a little bit about her. Oh, this is the thing. Like So many of the stories just kind of go together. And for me, it's all about the one thing I always think is how amazing everybody's stories are. And the similarities to everybody's is they needed to actually get to the hospital ASAP because time is key when it comes to sepsis. Like 30 million people a year have sepsis and 11 million people die. And this is worldwide. Like one in five deaths worldwide are because of sepsis. Like COVID, you've got pneumonia you've got a UTI, you've got meningitis, they all can come into into sepsis. And for me, it's something that I know that I survived for a reason. And if I can save one person's life, I've done a good job. And this is the one thing that I kind of get from all from the podcasts that I've done already everybody else is also feeling that feeling of gratitude and feeling of giving back and actually wanting to save somebody else because they don't want other families to go through what they've done, what they've had to go through. And it can be tough, but like when it comes to it, you're you're an infection. People just think, oh, okay, go to the doctors, get some antibiotics. But When it comes to a lot of people, they're just like, oh, okay, I'm not well, but I need to get on with life. And I was very much like that as well. And if it doesn't feel right, you need to seek help because it might not be right. Yeah. You also had uh, someone, uh, a runner, a long-distance runner on on your show. Maria Papaliamaya. Oh my goodness. She is such an inspiration. Like she in two years is wanting to run the Chicago marathon, but 
she she's known as the toeless runner and all she has is one stub of one toe left is that from sepsis they had to uh, amputate yes. her toes yeah they had to amputate toes because what can happen uh, as a complication is you can get blood clots in the extremities and so i've met quite a few people who have had to have legs amputated hands amputated and it it's heartbreaking and however i've just found out that one of my friends is actually now getting a hand implant and it's just like oh wow and yeah it just makes you value everything yeah you know you talk about the amputations i actually have a client right now who developed Legionnaire's disease, which is basically pneumonia that you get from inhaling aerosolized water, which has the bacteria, Legionella bacteria, uh, that you can get from a hot tub or you get it from some type of a water source, a potable water source. And by the time that she realized that she you know, was had the Legionnaire's disease, which is a really, like I said, a really bad form of pneumonia. She went septic really, really quick. And by the time she got to the hospital, she was already in septic shock. And unfortunately, she battled for her life over the next couple months and she didn't survive. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It really is heartbreaking. It's a horrible thing what happened to her. Had she recognized that, you know, she was really, really, really sick um, and gotten to the ER earlier. We don't know what might have happened, but um, still, you know, sepsis is something that it's like the best kept secret. Nobody knows about it. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, and so many people don't. And it is absolutely heartbreaking. And the fact that I've worked with in podiatry and I've seen like major infections and since the sepsis, it's actually been something that every time I get get someone with a, an infection in their toe, I'm like, you need IV antibiotics. You need, well, depending on how far it is, you either need antibiotics or, or you need IV antibiotics right now. And it can actually be a little bit of a trigger for me. And it it's like really strange, but I know that I survived for a reason. And that's actually why I find that it's made me so much more aware. And it's actually really changed my practice as well, the way that I treat. Yeah, that's super. That is really super. So, Laurie, so you are now the unofficial world ambassador for sepsis awareness and education i'd like to think so <laughs> <laughs> well, you know i'd hope there there can be a million we need a million ambassadors like you to be able to really you know to get get it out there as far as the i awareness. had dr ron daniels last week actually know who i was and he's um ceo of sepsis uk trust so wow. i was extremely happy oh that's awesome that's awesome now you have an online course right Yes, I do. All right. Tell us about that. Yes. So with that, uh, I go over what is sepsis, the signs and symptoms. I also talk about the sepsis six, which isn't 
and it's available in 20 different countries whereas in some states it is part of the procedure but not in all states yet there is something I can't remember who it was but there is a petition to make it to be mandated in every single state in America. So what is it? Um, it's a framework to basically help save lives. So it's about making sure that you get a, get a senior clinician. Let me put my teeth back in. <laughs> <laughs> um, having your bloods taken, IV port put in, uh, so being on oxygen, being on IV, having fluids, monitoring your urine levels, because when it comes to sepsis, you need to ensure that you monitor your mo- urine levels because lack of urination means that your kidneys are doing something funky. Right, <laughs> right. And, and just so everybody, uh, just so, so they know, the sepsis usually comes after the infection. Yes. So it yeah. always starts with a localized infection and then basically it takes over the body. And so it's a massive inflammatory response. And then all hell breaks loose, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. that's and, a good way to put it. And also when it comes to the online course as well, there is, uh, we're also, I'm also talking about post-sepsis syndrome which is something that a lot of healthcare professionals actually don't know a lot about as well. So this is something that affects 40% of all survivors. So if you're thinking um, 19 million survivors each year worldwide, that's 7.6 million people each year having lasting effects. Well, well, we'd like to have 7.6 million that come back with no lasting effects and we don't want any deaths. So we've got a long way to go as far as getting that to happen. September is an important month for sepsis awareness. What what is it? Yeah, so it's sepsis awareness month. I've been doing quite a lot of work recently with Sepsis UK Trust, the Sepsis Alliance, FEAT, which is the UK research charity to do with sepsis. And I'm also working with the World Sepsis Association as well because I'm helping them with a campaign called Around the World in 13 Days because on the 13th of September, that is World Sepsis Day. And usually we're able to kind of get a lot more money and all of that for research and things like that. However, this year because of covid we are not able to do all of these in-person events so it means that in a way it's really bad because we can't raise as much money as and raise as much awareness but we have got a lot of people who are really helping and there's been more more people this year than ever before have taken part in the Around the World in 13 Days uh, campaign, uh, which is incredible. Well, is there going to be like a virtual conference or something like that? Or There's, I'm actually, you saying about virtual conference, I'm actually going to a virtual conference being done by FEAT, so F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T, 
And I know it's rather ironic that a podiatrist is talking about this. <laughs> right, right, right. The podiatrist talk about feet, F-E-A-T, right. Yeah, and it is, um, uh, it's, I've only just got the email today. It's all to do with sepsis research. Where can they go to get that information about, you know? I can send it to you. Okay. I can send it to you. Great. It's an ever bright one, and it's called uh, World Sepsis Day Virtual Launch Event. Okay. Awesome. And, awesome. Uh, it's on the 10th of September at 7 p.m. British Standard Time, and it's going for an hour and a half. Okay. And it's a free event as well. There's different speakers, the BBC Scotland broadcaster talking, then there's a sepsis, uh, surviving sepsis with a sepsis survivor. Then we have the future of sepsis awareness, which is by, I can't read his last name. It's a bit okay. like, well, uh, but he's um, clinical director for Scotland. Then it's talking about sepsis and COVID educating youth and research and this is a lot going on 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 september the 10th at this uh virtual conference Uh, unfortunately we're we're probably this is not going to air until after the 10th of september but the great thing about a virtual conference is that our our injured senior community can probably go online and view it after the fact so so that's a good thing with you saying that, I'm also taking part in a global webinar, which is to do with sepsis, and I can send you that if it's going to be after that, because I'm we're filming on the 7th of September. All right. Well, make sure you send me a birthday card. My birthday is September the 16th, so. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'll be uh, 21, I wish. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn 59. So you then? Huh? 22 then. Yeah, 22. That's what I tell everybody. You're like, you're lying. <laughs> yeah. All right. So listen, like I said, we're winding down now. Just quickly, if you had to give one tip to our injured senior community about what they should do if they suspect that themselves or a loved one has sepsis, what, what would be that action tip? Go to the ER, and if they want to send you home, insist that they do more tests. Yeah, and, and again, I'm, one thing about the testing is that if they take a blood test, yes, they check the white blood count. If the white blood count is elevated, and if your lactic acid is above a 2, then and you've got all the other signs of sepsis, you've got sepsis. So mm, Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to put word. Yeah, I don't. I, I asked you the question, but I kind of want just to follow up on that because you hit it right on the nose. If they <laughs> if they tell you to go home, just say no. <laughs> <laughs> just say no. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Laura, you are amazing, and I think your podcast is destined for great things. Yeah, I I had a, a break this last month because of doing all the, the stuff to do with September because September is so big. Yeah. I just wish that I could take chocolates to the hospital like I did last year. Yeah. But not really allowed to. <laughs> well, 2021 at this time next year, you, I, I'm sure that we'll be able to 
to be doing that because hopefully there'll be a vaccination and yeah i'm what i'm going to be doing is i think i'm going to be giving the doctor who saved my life who is actually now a friend chocolates to take to the hospital for me that is so that is that is really really that's heartwarming yeah yeah she's coming on the podcast soon oh great so if anyone wants to subscribe to the podcast or find the podcast how can they find it so it's on spotify it's on apple it's on google play i'm almost certain and deezer and if you're wanting to find me i've also got a youtube channel which is laura williams sepsis education worthing sussex and I'm always on Instagram and it's laurawilliams.sepsiseducator. Well, I also find you on LinkedIn. So Ah, yes, indeed. Yeah, that's how we <laughs> communicate. So what how do they find you on LinkedIn? Uh it's just Laura Williams. There you go. And it will say podiatrist, uh YouTuber, podcast host, podiatrist. Genuine great lady. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't say that. But. All righty. Well, I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> if any any of our injured senior community want to check out your online course, how do they do that? I've given you the uh, the link. All you just need to do is go onto that. And where do they yeah, find the link? Uh, it's in your show notes. Oh, great, 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 great. Okay, awesome. And email if they want to email you because uh, yes, so it's. Laura dot sepsis educator at gmail.com. All right. And you're looking for guests or for anyone who has a sepsis story? Do you know what? I always love new guests, love chatting to people. And one thing you'll find is some of the people, some of the podcasts that I've done have actually been almost two hours long because we've just not been able to stop talking <laughs> yeah it's almost like a therapy session because you're every you know look post-traumatic stress disorder and post-sepsis syndrome is common oh, so very much so what got me really caught up in it was just hearing you both talk about your experiences and i really you know it just it, it's also it's probably very soothing and you know, just something that helps you to get better and more to recovery from it. Yeah. One thing that if people listen to Mike Mahoney's episode, which was episode two, you will probably laugh because I'll be like, oh, one minute. I had to run to actually get tissues because I was bawling. You know, I, I listened to that episode, but I have to say, I think he's either Scottish or Irish, but I had a really hard time understanding him. So he's Mancunian. I don't even I don't even know what that is, but Manchester. Oh, he's from <laughs> Manchester. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, look, I think all your guests have been great, and we're going to have you back soon because you've got so much great information and great stories. So I know our listeners are going to want to hear the latest and uh, greatest uh, stories. Yeah, I'll let you know what happened with September and everything that happened with Sepsis Awareness Month. Yeah, great. All right, Laura, well, listen, 
We will be checking in with you soon. And thank you so much. And of course, we'll be keeping in touch because, you know, we're both plugged into the uh, world sepsis community. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I, and, and I will talk to you soon. Injured senior community, if you have any questions about an injury, disease, or condition you sustain as a result of someone's negligence, such as an infection that led to sepsis and it wasn't recognized early enough, feel free to contact me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com and I will be happy to chat with you to see if you have any recourse. Also, if you'd like to audition to be a guest on this show, the Injured Senior Podcast, feel free to, uh, again, email me at uh, steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. We're always looking for stories ourselves about really inspirational recoveries from all different types of diseases, conditions, injuries. You know, like we said, people really enjoy hearing experiences that people went through, especially when it has a a good ending. So senior community, if you like the content we discussed today in this episode, please head on over to our show notes where you will find a summary of today's show and any important links we mentioned in this episode, uh, including the link to Laura's online course or finding out about Sepsis Awareness Day or that conference. Also, always feel free to reach out to me about your own story as an injured senior or elder. Again, it's steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. Also, please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. We're also on all the the top four, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, Feel free to rate and review the show. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Be sure to tune in the next week's show where we'll have another exciting guest, and I will talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast with Steve H. Heisler. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more or to get help anytime, go to InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 855-622-6530. We'll see you next time.